You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are rocking with us here on an all-new, very special episode of the Decoding Success Podcast. And this episode is special because you are being exposed to five individuals that have been rocking with me for years. And I'm not just talking about in friendship, I'm talking about in business as well. These five individuals that I'm introducing you today, and you probably already know a few of them, but these five individuals were partners of mine in nightlife, an industry that is rather saturated here in New York City, as I'm sure you could imagine if you don't already know that. And we are bringing you through our journey in this industry, our journey becoming um, friends to business partners, to brothers, to family, so on and so forth. What you're diving into with us today is not only a ton of laughs if you intently listen to the stories we're telling you, which have jam-packed value nonetheless, everything from operating a successful business in a saturated market, being in business with friends and family and how to make that work without having any tension between anyone like there was never tension between us which is crazy how to optimize and successfully and effectively nonetheless use your network to leverage and put you places where you want to be marketing and branding and the start of it all because we've been doing this since 2009 2008 even before that these guys are a lot older than me I'm just throwing that out there you know making mistakes and learning from them the rewards of risk taking, not giving a fuck what people are going to think about you for doing what you're doing, experiences, how to learn from them, how to share them, how to leverage them, and nonetheless, doing what you love. This episode, I swear, oh, one of my absolute favorites, and I promise you there's going to be a part two because we could have kept going. And as you may see, this, this episode specifically is over an hour, and I'm giving you the heads up now just because you may be commuting, you may be doing some work at home, you may be getting a workout in. I want you to make sure you are listening to this full thing, full spectrum, because we are giving you details about how we were able to book individuals like Fabulous, Fetty Wap, Jadakiss, Fat Joe, Ja Rule, nothing to do with Fire Festival, as we mentioned on the episode on Tuesday. If you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you're catching up with that one. There is so much insight, so much value, so much humor, so much good vibes in this episode, and I'm really excited to share this with you. You're going to be able to connect with all of my guys that are in this episode through the show notes, none Nonetheless, if you enjoy it, make sure you're sharing it. Make sure you're rating it. Specifically, if you're tuned in from iTunes, that means the world to us. I tell you over and over and over again. And now, without further ado, we bring to you episode 124. Ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing to you a very special episode today, a collaboration between Growing Up Italian, my good friend Sabino's podcast, and Decoding Success, and we are joined by six, including myself, six absolutely amazing individuals that have literally changed my life, shaped my life, and I think we could all share that same uh, sentiment right there, so... This is is the product when you have two friends with a podcast, and you just want an excuse... To link up with all your friends? On a Thursday night, nonetheless, when we're uh, pounding down pizzas and and wine bottles over here. But uh, to briefly introduce everyone, to my right, I got my boy fucking AJ Long Okudo in the fucking house. (laughs) Now, listen, 
I never thought he would be on my podcast, but I'm fucking hype he's here. I never thought I'd be on your podcast either. Bro. But he's fucking here. <laughs> we got Nikki Massia here. Very excited to have him. Obviously, you know Phil from past episodes. Phil is in the house. Steve Pellegrino from past episodes. And obviously, Sabino, as mentioned. First time on yours. First time on mine. I've You've been, been on, on my podcast, I've though. been on yours a few times. So is this not going to be called <clears throat> Decoding Italians? Yeah. Yo, that's, oh, that's a good idea. Deep. That may be, that might have to be the title of this uh, this episode. That's for if real. it's not imperial, you know. Seriously, that's that's what we're here to talk about though today, and uh, how that kind of brought us together as brothers, um, which is something that we mentioned before we even hopped on this episode. I mean, um, being in people's wedding parties, bachelor parties to come to. I hope I'm um, looking at Nick Massey. Hey, that's some pressure. Actually, Steve, Steve's first. Steve you know? too. Steve Steve's too. the leader. I'm, I'm taking my time. Right. I don't know. I don't know. It's all right. I'll, I'll take one for the team and speed things up a little bit somehow, some way. But um, seriously, we all came together over the course of X amount of years and, you know, came together as brothers and also as business partners, which is very rare. So to be able to share this moment with you guys, I'm really grateful for that. Same here, as man. am I. This is awesome. Gang shit. How are we diving into this, bro? People don't know what we did, you know, so I think it, it needs to start with a little of an educational background. And obviously, well, I you, mean, how we, how we met each well, other. Well, yeah, Phil, Phil and AJ basically started, they're probably the reason we're all here right now. Right. Well, if we're going to call this thing decoding Italians, which I'd like to think maybe we will, it all starts <laughs> with what Italian kids did when they were 17 with me and Phil growing up. And that was, uh, you go to DNA on Saturday night. And uh, from that nightclub... I think Phil and I got this idea. This, now, DNA was a little uh, place in Astoria. And Phil and I got this little idea when we were going there as 17-year-olds. And we thought maybe, you know what? I shouldn't say 17-year-olds. When we were 18 years old. <laughs> we it's thought, out, the cat's out of the bag. All right, we did I, some I, shit. I was 17. We thought, you know what? This is amazing. This is a moment. And all we wanted to do is create moments for other people. And uh, I think maybe we did. Absolutely, man. I mean... Uh, Anyone who sees my Instagram knows I love experiences. I'm always traveling, always looking for something new. The cool thing about what we did was we were the power strip, the power cord behind these experiences. We can make somebody's best night of their life. Shout outs to like all the New York Italians out there that know exactly what we're talking about when we say DNA. Hell yeah. Which was like probably one of the sickest runs of like nightlife. Like that party had to be there, what? You guys know better than me, like 15 years? I mean, that, that club was open since the late 90s. So the, the special thing about DNA is that when we were 18, we didn't say to each other on Saturday morning, hey, AJ, what are you doing tonight? It was an automatic understanding. It's like, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? What time are you arriving? Who are you and going with? You on carpool? You I know? mean, it's a moment in time, so. What girls you got going? <laughs> yeah, well, that was probably Steve, Steve used to come out the list. The, the check. I have three possibles. <laughs> Two one do not play. <laughs> no, and, and actually one if I'm really drunk. <laughs> actually, funny thing about that was DNA had two rooms. Hip hop room in the back, right. maybe hold like 300. And that room was always the crazy one. Always the craziest, always. especially the after two. I forgot 2 about that actually. So we used to try to coordinate 
which girl is in the hip hop room, which girl is in the front room. You don't want both of them to mingle because if you do, you're going to get kicked in the shin. Right. Just to even backtrack a little bit and to provide some background because there's going to be people from New York that are tuned, not from New York that are tuned into this, right? So obviously we all know New York is a super competitive space across all areas and all facets of whatever it is, whether that's personal business, yeah, business, personal relationships, whatever the case is, it's a competitive fucking place to be. Um, And to be able to operate in nightlife for that long and for what we did too collectively as a group here for that long and for that duration of time is fucking monumental you know so i just wanted to paint that picture for everyone that's tuned into this but you guys obviously got started a little bit before the rest of us did and sabi i know you were involved in dna as well i mean i i I was sneaking in there at 16 aj put the cat out of the bag so i might as well fucking say it i mean i was 16 at that point trying to get in i think i was like a junior in high school or or some shit so phil and i were involved way before dna i mean you could say me and phil were involved since preschool uh we grew up together phil and i and then by extension nikki so it was the three of us for a long time before we had any aspirations of business or anything like that It was more about playing baseball on the street playing football on the street that's kind of how we started so there was an initial trust an initial bond that was formed from that and uh as time went on matt sabino and steve came into the mix and it created six of us, which for a long time was a powerhouse, not only in business, but in friendship. That's the most important thing right there is uh, even after the business has come and gone and we're all on our own ways doing our own separate things, we're all still friends. The- yeah, till this day, even though we don't talk to each other every day, you know, it's like, you know, we never missed a beat. You know what the joy is now? Well, the joy used to be when we used to go home on a Friday night or a Saturday night with some cash in our pocket. Now the joy is seeing one another succeed in whatever our ventures are. Absolutely. Whether it be a regular nine to five day job or, you know, a business selling sandwiches, kids. whatever, <laughs> kids, whatever else it is. That's a business. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah that is a business. That's a full-time job on yeah, its own itself. That, it doesn't pay enough either. So let's, let's backtrack yeah. just a little bit. And I, I, I want to know collectively, I know my reason, but why sure. did each of you guys get into nightlife in general? Was it to make money for, or was it to pick up girls? Was Never it? to make money. Right. I mean, I, I could say the same. For me, yeah. it was because I wanted to be the person that was providing the people around me with kind of what you said, the experience. But at the same time, I wanted that experience for free. Honestly, the, <laughs> reason, the reason why I started was because it was guaranteed I was buying two bottles every weekend. Fuck so, guy. Fuck so you were a club goer yourself. So yeah. it makes sense for you to be. Yeah. So like basically I figured I'd make some money back to pay everything I'm spending. Cause you know, I used to make like $300 a week working at the panini shop and that whole $300 was what you were spending that night with just your outfit and right. you know, to have a good time. What know? was the outfit back then? The Affliction shirt? Affliction, Ed Hardy. Ed Hardy if you didn't have a Lacoste polo and fresh Lacoste polo, then you didn't even go out. Yeah, that was so MySpace order for a long time. I, I literally remember myself, Matt, Blaze, and Jimmy, some of our other friends not on this podcast, uh, a pitcher in the club that we're talking about, which is when we came together called um, Imperial, and we each had a Lacoste Crispy. No, it was a Burberry. It was a Burberry. Oh, well, Burberry well, back Well, then. either it was Burberry yeah. or Lacoste. Burberry, Burberry had the run a little after that. After yeah. that. But, I mean, you were wearing either one of those brands and making sure you got that picture taken. Yeah, Jimmy, I think, by the way, if Jimmy's listening to this, I know he wants that shirt back after that night. <laughs> <laughs> that was his birthday. That night. was his birthday. <laughs> That's great. I actually, how nightlife started for me, I wanted to go to a teen night. Old school Italian parents. No teen night in sight for me. 
Billy, but don't you buy that? No, no. That's where all the bad stuff goes down. So I actually lied. I said I'm sleeping over AJ's house. We, I bring my outfit, get dressed up at his house. We go over there. We're only maybe about an hour into the party. I forgot. Well, I had a call. It's my dad. He's, I know he's pissed. And you know how you can barely hear in the club? Well, he was yelling so loud that I still heard him. So I, <laughs> I walk- heard him in my room too, just letting you guys know. <laughs> yeah. I walk outside. AJ, nice enough, obviously, comes with me. I heard an earful that night. But it's kind of like getting your first tattoo. It's a big whack in the beginning, and then it's nothing. So it gets, it the gets next worse. month, it gets, it gets easier after that. It gets easier, one. exactly. So the next month, I go to a tea night that's called Remy. AJ's actually, that too, man. Like, that was the best, best tea night. AJ's actually involved. And at this time, we weren't partners in promoting, but, you know, best friends in life. And I go to this tea night, and I... The whole thing was that I just saw a guy who was in his late 40s putting together this event. His name was MRD, Mr. DeCosta. Shout out to Evan Styles and, too. I mean, we, and Evan. He didn't come to Patricia's dinner, but yeah, shout Yo, out to Yo, you want to know what though? He didn't answer me on New Year's Eve, but Evan did hit me up like this week, two days ago. He hit me up and I was yeah. hyped for that. I was hyped. Yeah, All right. He I mean, made up for it. So back, so back then I go to this event, I'm looking around and if anyone listens to this podcast, you're a go-getter, high performer. You're in an environment, you see something, and you can create that same thing, and you're like, damn, I know I could do this. I could do it better. So I got that itch. I just thought it was so powerful that A, it's just fun. B, we're creating experiences. So this is how promoting was back then. Back then, there was no social media. There was no MySpace, none of that. It was just a flyer. Everyone had a three-digit code. So I ran my three-digit code on, I still remember, it was 654. And I got too lazy at one point, so I started using a hole puncher instead of writing the code. You used to pay $25 to get in, and the cut for the promoter was $3 per, per head. Wow, not even five. Holy not shit. even five, $3 per head. All right, take that shout out to Evan Styles back, you cheap fuck. Thank God I'm not that old, bro. Yeah, so, so I mean. He's a legend in the game though, you know? AJ was killing it. We decided to link up. And then Nick saw me doing nightlife and AJ doing nightlife for years. There was an event, it's called Area. It was in Flushing, Queens. And we needed a, a registered person, someone we could trust. Because you can't always trust somebody. Me, me, Matt, and Steve were already in the picture, by the way. So oh, he, No, he's going into Nikki's first kiss is really what he's yeah. going Hey, I knew this was going to come out. <laughs> actually, no, 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 it's a good scoop, actually. Yeah. His lemon tree came before that. But anyway, you take that side of the story. Cause oh. You, you Actually, though, that night, I just want to chime in real quick and say that um, I wasn't prepared for how cold it was going to be. And I was, I was working outside that night, so I borrowed um, n- uh, Nick and the Phil's leather jacket. leather jacket. Wow. Tank. This was that area. Yeah. That was oh, the first and you got it dry clean because it smelled like cigarettes. Dude, I, was, I was blazing bogeys one after another. And you got it dry I'm going to go back to Matt's initial question, which yeah, was, yeah. what did we all do? To, you know, right, 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 right. So for me, it wasn't money. It wasn't really anything else. It was just, I liked the idea of bringing people together. To me, that was awesome. I enjoyed, more than I enjoyed going out on Saturday night, I enjoyed Sunday morning. I enjoyed being dining with my boys, talking about what we did on Saturday night and how much fun it was, and how much of an idiot this guy is. Yo, I can't even look, I can't even go to IHOP, not to cut you off. I oh, can't even go true. to IHOP and not <laughs> think true. about you. I remember, like, AJ would order like six things, have a bite of like two I still of them, do it. and then Phil yeah. be like, "Not for nothing, but we shouldn't be splitting this bill." <laughs> because, <laughs> because no, straight up, Yo, what does Phil think? Because he's like, 
you ordered a hundred dollars worth of food. I ordered twenty, oh and we got to go eighty and eighty. Like, no, it's true. No, no, that's I still do exactly it. Exactly what happened, and I still do it. And then ordering the pitchers of Kool Aid there, or what was the red drink they have? Oh, it was fruit punch. And a fruit punch. It's awesome too. That's I can't hilarious. go to IHOP and not think about that, man. Uh, it's just one of the many things, though, that has impacted our lives, right? Think Absolutely. about that when you go to IHOP. For me, the Glendale Diner will always be that place. That was a solid place. That was a solid place. I always think I'm not gonna drop names, but when the kid got lumped up there. Oh yeah, up. you were there for that. Oh yeah. No, I wasn't. I, I, was, I, was, I was there. We for that. I don't think I was because you know I'm the Brooklyn one that you all use. No, you're the. Oh, we should mention this. We're all from Queens, New York, by the way. Especially now, Sabino's been waiting to hear this for a very no, long no, time. No, I'm still from Brooklyn. Yeah. Being that he now lives in Queens, he he's been wanting that title. But. You could take the line out of the jungle. We can't take the jungle out of lion. <laughs> I'm still Brooklyn. <laughs> okay, Mr. I'm, Brooklyn. I'm still Brooklyn. Nikki, why'd Sorry. you go to Nightlife, bro? So with me, it was actually a funny story. As AJ and Phil were saying, in the beginning, they were promoting, and they needed somebody to do the register one night at area. And the thing about, obviously, business in general, it all goes down to people you can trust. And when you have somebody dealing with thousands of dollars, especially in the club business, which is cash. Right. You have people dealing with thousands of dollars. You need to have somebody there you can trust. And obviously, they just turned to me, and, and it was a one-time thing. It wasn't, we need you to work every week. We need you to work one time. Yeah, you were way too cool for us, bro. You're like, I don't think I can commit to this. You know what it was? I saw you guys do this for so many years, and I just kind of told myself it wasn't for me, and, and I really never gave it a fair chance. So the first night I was working, it was area that party, and the story that they were getting at before was basically one night, and AJ, correct me if I'm wrong, one night this girl came to the register, and she wanted to pay. Uh, she didn't want to pay. And the thing about me is nobody's getting past the register without paying because that's my Which job. Which is very respectable, by the way. At the end of the day, if they counted, listen, there was 400 people that came in and they know 200 people were supposed to pay and there was $20 per person, it was my job to have the correct well, amount of money there. If 400 people came in and only 200 paid, I know two things. Number one, Evan Styles did the door. <laughs> that's right. And number two... I don't know. Philly's going to have a fucking fit at the end of the night. We so, do, or Veronica had too many friends there. <laughs> we used to the ladies, the ladies tree before 11. So we used to get a lot of ladies to come in before 11. Yo, but you know, and that would be the fit. I don't know if we should admit this, but it would be mad funny when uh, we did the whole ladies free to 11 and opened the doors till 10.55. <laughs> Slow it down. Slow it down. It's just good business. No, That's I sometimes, sometimes we held it, but go ahead and continue. So getting back into that. <laughs> he still won't admit it. <laughs> to the grave. Basically, one night this, this girl came in and she didn't want to pay. And there's always going to be people like that. And, you know, it was my job to make sure she paid. And I looked at AJ. He looked at me. He was standing right by the register. And he did something that I never thought was going to happen. And I was young at the time. I mean, I was, what, maybe 15, 16 years old. If yep. even. And AJ looked at her and said, you want to you get it for free? You don't want to pay? And with the straightest face in the world, said, give him a kiss on the lips. <laughs> this girl looked at AJ, looked at me, looked at AJ. When she went to go look at me again, the next time I saw her eyes right here because she smacked me right on the lips. <laughs> and I'm talking, I'm not talking about a little pet kiss. And this is before Juvederm, by the way, so they were oh, regular. This, this was, What's yes. Juvederm? What is that? The lip, the lip injection. <laughs> How do you know what that is? <laughs> Bro, I'm educated. I'm fucking well-rounded. <laughs> He dates he's, a, he's a French traveler. He's on TikTok a lot. He dates a lot. <laughs> TikTok a lot. <laughs> so long story short, that was kind of like my first taste of the club business. And, you know, I kind of literally thought, it was very yeah, literally, literally his first taste. <laughs> literally Yo, first Nick, taste. let me ask you, was she at least good again? Um, honestly, I don't really remember, but I know AJ wouldn't have let somebody kiss me that was ugly. Absolutely so, not. Listen, AJ, was it Yana? 
No, I was Yara. I something else. Anyway, we're name dropping tonight. <laughs> the whole thing with me was like, if we fast forward a little bit and how I really got into promoting, because that was my initial appearance, was one day when uh, we were doing the club. Actually, fast forward to Noah, one of our parties that we did. If anybody's listening to this podcast remembers the crazy club nights we had at Noah. I mean, we had celebrities performing yeah. there and all these big rappers at the time. And that's when I just met Sabino for one of the first first couple of parties that we were working at. And everybody that's walking into the club is always saying hello to me. And he was, Sabino was asking me, Nick, how do you know these people? Because you did the register at other parties or you know, you're just friends with them. And I just said, they were all my friends. And every and neighbor, single person in the neighborhood, came, like every single from, person I came from in. going to St. Francis and hanging out in the park. Because I didn't realize back then that the biggest part of promoting was networking and the biggest part of life. I mean, anybody listening to this can attest that networking is everything. Right. Digital, so, digital marketing too. Like this is when Facebook events were huge. This yeah. was like getting into that era. So just being my natural self and just being always around AJ and Phil, I didn't realize I was a promoter long before I even started to promote because I was building that network. I was building that network of people around me. And at that day uh, at the party at Noah, Sabino said, why aren't you a promoter? You know everybody here, you have all of them coming and you're literally not getting paid for these people. So the real story was Sabino forced me to promote. And he said to me, I know you can get 20 people here for next Saturday. And if you do, then you continue promoting. If you don't want to do it, you don't do it. And the rest is history. I remember. Well, I, I basically night. told him like, you know, back then you were making like a salary, like 75 bucks to do the register. I was like, why not make the extra hundred while you're here? You right. know? So let's decode success a little bit. Amazon, biggest retailer in the whole world, right? They really don't own any inventory. Maybe they own a little bit of inventory, but they really don't own any inventory. Uber is the biggest car service in the world. They don't own any cars. The whole point was for me and Phil not to know everybody that came in the club. As a matter of fact, if we did, that would be a huge problem, right? The whole point was for guys like Nikki, guys like Steve, guys like Matt, guys like Sabino. You guys know the people. You guys are the face of this whole thing. We're just going to make sure the ship runs straight. We're going to steer it. But you guys are the life of the party. This is the the part that's funny is because I was like into my like 23, 24, still promoting, you know? Yeah. And then you guys are a couple years older than me. So yeah. it just goes to show at that point, you just run the machine. It's like almost franchising like a Burger King and you right, know, right. hiring a guy on yeah. the grill. And let me tell you, the running the machine ain't so easy. No. But you do what you gotta do. You make a lot of mistakes. You learn a lot from your mistakes. And as long as you are a better person, see this this goes further and deeper than just what we did. It's what we're still doing. Because I know I still I, take I, everything I, I did back then. I think we gotta explain a little bit about what kind of events we were throwing. Because like, I don't think like people really have the visual of what we were doing. But we were getting like yeah. a thousand kids in the five boroughs, Long Island and Westchester. Really, the Jersey, the area. Jersey, 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 everybody. Okay, well, so, I mean, just to paint the picture, a nightclub is anywhere from a million to a $5 million investment. So somebody's life savings went into this club and they're doing it for money, they're doing it for fun, popularity, all that. So if someone put one to five million into a club and they see AJ and I going, asking for a deal, and a deal meaning we wanna do every Friday night consistently, every Saturday, or one-off holiday events, 
And at the time, he's 18, I'm 17, I look like I'm 14. And you have this kid walk into your place and say, hey, I'm gonna take your Saturday night, your grand night. Plus at the time, we were doing college events. So what does that mean? That means higher profile uh, risk. That means it could be you know some drinks being passed around and whatnot. So just picture that for a second. So in order to get you know that person to commit to you, and then we were doing at our height about five to seven events a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to get five someone to seven events a week. In a, a week over the yeah, summertime. Tuesdays, over the summertime. Tuesdays, yeah, we Wednesdays, had, we Thursdays, had, Fridays. We had just about every night. Just we, Monday, Monday, we didn't really sleep. We didn't really sleep. So just to get an owner to say yes to you for that, and then in the beginning, they're honestly a lot of the times they didn't say yes because you're the best underneath the sun. They said yes because they were desperate, and it was our job to turn in desperation into making money. That's one thing that we did in this business. We excelled at it. We could go into a spot and we could turn it around from you know the red into the black. And gonna, that I'm, applies to life. I'm gonna give a case in point, uh, and this is a story that I'll probably be telling my grandkids, and they'll look at me like I'm crazy. But I believe it's one of the instances that made me the man I am today. That was one of uh, our very first venues. We took a place that was extremely far from where we lived, uh, where we didn't really know a ton of people that lived in the immediate area. But we said, you know what, we're gonna do it, it's a big room. Phil and I were really young, and this was one of our first big projects. What room? Uh, this club out in Brooklyn. Uh, far out in Brooklyn too, not that anyway, like, like you guys said, we're Queens kids, it was far out in Brooklyn. Bay Ridge. Bay Ridge. And um, I tell you what, looking back on it now, we were in over our heads. We didn't really have the resources to do what we needed to do, but we did have one thing, and that was an incredible will not to fail. Uh, going into the first night, and when I tell you this was a big room, I mean this was a big room. We had a lot of money invested. Two thousand. It was the size of like a high school gym. This it was. one also had the separated with the hip hop. Yep, we had yep. two rooms. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and there the was there was yeah, a I lot didn't like of pressure. Hip hop room in this place though. There was a lot of pressure not sloppy. to fail. No. And um, I'll tell you what. The Yo, first... and uh, shout out to you guys because. There's a lot of people that are in this industry that that's their backyard and they don't want to touch that room. Yep. Yep. But you guys are 12 miles away taking that, you know? Yep. We were, we were far. It wasn't close. And uh, leading up to the first night, we knew that we had created a good amount of buzz. Uh, we, you know, we did things that were necessary. We booked the DJ that was on the radio. Uh, we Hired tried, all the bartenders from yeah, that area. We tried to get the best looking girls to, to bartend and a couple of good looking guys to bartend and get some bottle service going on. But still going into the first night we really didn't know what was going to happen and we were pretty scared I mean I'd be lying to you if I said we were confident we knew we had this and then uh, this was a Friday night party on Thursday we looked at the weather and the prediction was it was going to be a torrential downpour on Friday night and the weather was going to be terrible stay home don't go out it was almost like the weatherman Al Roker was promoting against us <laughs> he, he was out to get us because all he wanted to do that was bastard yeah. fucking hell all he wanted to do was tell people to stay home that night and uh, leading up to the party, we were driving there. Uh, Philly went over the Williamsburg Bridge because he was so nervous. He forgot the state of the right on the BQE. True story. Into the city, I went. He drove into the city. Uh, detour. I wasn't far behind them, and my windshield wipers were on high. I think there's no way anyone's coming up to this club tonight. We are going to lose thousands of dollars. We're going to look like idiots. There won't be a second party. It'll be grand opening, grand closing. Uh, but you know what? What are you going to do at that point? You're going to stick it out. You started something. You got to see it through. You got to finish it. You got to tough it out. You got to take it on the chin. If that's what you know was demanded of you, you got to be a man. No, not to cut you off, but sometimes in life you got to lose money. Yeah. To to learn. This was going to be one of those times. Yes, exactly. We were going to lose more money than we had. 
Yeah. Because we feel that. We don't come from much. You, you know? take the credit from the owner, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. We were going to have to go to the owner with our tail between our legs and apologize for, for flopping. Uh, doors opened at 1030 and at about 1015, there were a couple of people outside, nowhere near enough to cover what our budget was. And uh, by 11 o'clock, we had to go to uh, the end of a line that had about 600 people on it and hold umbrella over girls to stop their makeup from running down their face. When the night was over, we did 1,400 people plus. Uh, we had to have people stand outside and wait for other people to exit to let them back into the room. It was an unbelievable success. We didn't know what was going to happen. All we did was keep our head down and keep it moving. And it worked. Absolutely. It succeeded. And I still have the video of Philly standing out there with the umbrella over his head because it was boring. Yeah. Our Roga wasn't wrong. It was boring. And uh, all we could do was just, it was two things. Thank God because, man, were we lucky that we pulled it off. But also, we learned to believe in ourselves that night. We, we learned that a little bit of rain can't upend the willpower of a couple of guys when they really want to do their thing and get busy. And that's what we did. That night gave us the confidence to... Uh, that night gave us the confidence to deal with one of the worst tragedies we ever had in business, which I'm going to let Philly talk about, which was a night we had a couple of, uh, one really big rapper booked for a party in Queens, and uh, that rapper decided to tell everybody on his Twitter that he wasn't coming. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and just take away a couple of gems from that. Uh, AJ's talking about faith. Anything we do, we have to have faith. Like, you can't see the end result. You just have to know and believe that you're gonna get there, no matter what. We had to build a promotional team around that room, and we didn't have the people in the beginning. We had to figure out how to piece them together. How many times are we down and out, and these guys at the table with us right now picked us up and said, no, we're gonna Absolutely. Do it. Like that, this. That was one of my first tenured parties with you guys. I promoted with um, an, another set of people out in Long Island and uh, I met Sabino at St. Francis College and Sabino went to college? Uh, I went like three times. He was there but it wasn't a long time. But um, I, I met Sabino there and we were, you know, had a free period or whatnot and he saw the connections that I had within different groups of people and I think the first party... You were party, promoting already at that time? Yeah, right? That was in Long yeah. Island. Oh, yeah. And then you hit me up and there was... Uh, you were talking to me about a party that you guys were doing in Astoria. <clears throat> so that's when we first linked up about Oh, that. you're talking about on, on Steinway, the, the Thursday night party. Yeah. Yeah. So... Oh, Sabino, there's many times Sabino put this whole thing on his back. He really yeah. did. He put the whole thing on his back. So that's where The craziest where part was when, you know, the, I think the best run of all of us here together was in my neighborhood. Yeah, it was. In Greenpoint. Well, Greenpoint's not my neighborhood. My touching neighborhood. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm listen, listen, we already went over this. On you're record. You're a Brooklyn guy. Yeah. You're a Brooklyn guy. I forgot, so, I forgot to mention the, the, the next one, the uh, which one? the big night that AJ, he teed it up for me on. So we'll just hit that real quick. Is uh, this And this was the low of the low. Yeah. Talk about a story of like overcoming. So Sabino was with us for this party. I wasn't sure if, I don't, I'm not sure if Matt and Steve were yet, but uh, we we were gonna throw an event. It was a Wednesday night. You guys Fabulous. with us for Fabulous? Yeah, we were okay. there. Awesome, awesome. All right, bro. There's so many events. I forget. Well, so, this no, but we already yeah. were we already doing that party, or that was a that was a one off. That was no, just. But were we already in the regular Saturday spot? Yeah, yeah, we were. Yep. We were already there. We're at that we, point. we were established. We were already rocking and rolling. Yeah. We yeah, just yeah, decided. Yeah. It's it's not like we just randomly did a one off with well, that. Know, we, right. Yeah, we decided to just take a random Wednesday night in the summertime and book. 
pretty big artist uh, that we really had no direct contact with. We were booking him through an agent. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, as you're building your momentum in this industry, you start connecting with the right people, talent agents, and I got I got the opportunity to book a big rapper. It was fabulous. And uh, what happened was I got the deal of a lifetime. So I said, yo, I got this guy. Let's make a party around him. So we got the venue. Who, by the way, at the time was probably everybody's favorite. He was, this was the summer of two thousand. This was the summer of two thousand eleven. Yeah, any pop, any popular, fabulous song that you yep. could think of. That that was the that's stuff that was album, coming out. That's right That's when now. his album was out. His big album. Of course, Absolutely. girl, you'd be killing him. Like, oh, you'd you be killing him is what you sang to your girlfriend right before it was about to really go down. Oh, your feet are killing you. Yeah. I call it suicide. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't so, think it sounded exactly what, like that. Uh, it was close. It was close. What's crazy was then someone told me, someone I was close to, was like, yeah, I know Fabulous's manager. And I was like, yeah, I booked him. Then they're like, yo, he's not going that night. And I told Phil, and Phil's like, no way. Then like, as it got closer, we were like, I guess you started looking into it. Yeah, so basically, I lay out the deposit. I'm not going to mention the amount, but... It was a lot of money. Substantial amount. Substantial amount of money. For a couple like 19 year olds, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, for real. So I lay out the money, and uh, the lady who I went through, basically, long story short, I did my homework on her. She was affiliated with a couple of really big names. She was affiliated with Maybach Music, and she had a lot of artists underneath her wing at that time. She actually was like handling a lot of French Montana's bookings. Exactly. At that time. I think she also had a little crush on Phil, just saying. She might have. She's also, and also, another thing with business, you can't always believed like just by looking she was driving a gray Ferrari this thing is probably like 200,000 plus and she has hooks with literally everyone so I felt comfortable enough that I gave her a substantial amount of money we do what we do best we're promoting this party and uh, we probably had like 700 pre-sold tickets the, the yeah. buzz the buzz was ridiculous for that like we couldn't we, we put out what the party was going to be and it was, wasn't even about promoting it anymore. It was about the intake of requests and text and phone yep. calls about getting there. So we promote this event. We're up to like 700 pre-solds. Right. And it's about, it's about a few days before the event. And I just remember just seeing that I'm not getting responses from this agent as I should be. And I also asked, whenever you book an artist, you ask for a promo video. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is fabulous. I'm going to be a Noah Wednesday night. And I keep getting the curve. Like, she's curving my texts. And I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. So I start to feel like just something's up. And basically, long story short, we find out that a day before the event that he's not coming. Like literally 24 hours before. I remember I called up AJ, it was like 11 o'clock at night, and I said, this is what's going on, what do we do? And we refund everybody the money, basically. That was the dilemma. Which if you're running an event, any event, I don't care what it is, the words refunding money is a nightmare. (laughs) But let's also just point Or it's a no-no, too. Oh, yeah. The thing <laughs> I wanted to point out while the story's going on is we all had, like, credibility on the line. You know, we, we threw yes. parties, we yes. did this. And that was worth more than the money, was the a credibility. A refund was not acceptable because right. we had credibility. We literally went out of our way to sell these tickets, and so we had to do something about it. And I fully think that this was the greatest save in promotional history. So I'll let Phil get back to Yeah, that. I mean, 
I remember saying to AJ, like, our brand, our momentum, and this applies to business, is like, it was, the trajectory was crazy. We can't have this hiccup, because this hiccup will in, impair everyone's judgment of us your whole- going forward. Yeah, like, don't go to one of their events. I call him up, it's like 11 o'clock, I tell him this. I remember, I was eating pizza, and I actually put the pizza down and didn't finish the slice. <laughs> That's how upset I was. Yeah, and actually, I go the next morning. I pick him up. We're actually going to drive my dad to work in the city. I don't have, like, I really don't have much money at this point. I'm still, maybe I'm like 24. He only has his baptism and his fucking... Communion money. Communion money at that point. (laughs) And his confirmation. I'm sorry, Phil. I told everybody. Nah, it's cool. It's cool. So, (laughs) I actually, the night before, I booked someone who we had booked a couple of times, and it was Lloyd Banks. And everyone loved him. But I knew that just booking him was wasn't gonna be enough. So I got on the phone with uh, Red AJ, Cafe too. and yeah, we're gonna book Red Cafe. This is when he was really hot, by the way. And Red Cafe was hot, but this talent agent, as if she already didn't hook me enough with the whole fabulous thing, she says, listen, the only way that you can have Red Cafe there is if you also pay for a guy Waka named, well, first, French Montana. No, it was Waka Flocka, and then, oh yeah, yeah, and then you gave, you booked French Montana, and then, Waka Flocka, I'll never forget, we were outside waiting for him to roll up. And he's like, you want me to perform too? And we're like, well, we really have no money right now. <laughs> and then I, go, I think one of us went in our pockets and we're like, I got $200. Like, I, that's good. 100%. And he said, yeah. I do one song for the 200 Yeah. Sabino, but that's when, thank God Sabino went in his left pocket where there was $200. Because <laughs> if he went in the right one, Waka Flocka would have taken it for a couple of grand. But uh, I'll never forget... I mean, listen, you say Waka Flocka now, and everybody's like, who the hell is that? But he was hot at this time. People know, I think people know Waka Flocka. Oh, no, he was now. hot, and he was, Waka Flocka was bigger at French than this time. Yeah, French 100%. probably had, French, French didn't even have Shot Caller out yet. And, and yeah, he just had Chopper oh, Chopper yeah. Down. Yeah. Like, he just had that one remix. Yeah. He didn't have anything. But when all was said and done, we took out, we lost Fabulous. But we made up for Fabulous with Waka Flocka, Red Cafe, Lloyd Banks and French Montana. Now, if I gave you that in that the year, budget was like 20 grand. Yeah, right. If I gave you that in twenty twenty, we're selling out Madison Square Garden. Literally, yeah. we put that together yeah. in a little home That's in the so wall in Queens. That's and so one thing gym. I wanted to add to that was a lot of people don't know this, but when French Montana came at the time, he brought us a young up-and-coming artist with him. With Chink's Drugs. And people never knew who that was. Mm-hmm. And literally, Chink's Drugs was one of the first performances. That's true. One of the first performances was at our party. That's true. And it just goes to show you, for everybody listening here, it's not about what happens in life. It's about how you change. How, you know, how you're it. able to deal with it. How you respond. And I, I honestly feel that the biggest thing that I've learned from all these gentlemen at this table, you know, one is my brother, one is somebody I've known forever, and the, the, the other three are my friends. You talk about me as your brother, right? You know him forever? Of course. <laughs> you don't want to treat my brother. I so. really, you two are probably closer, though. We are, we are. And he's always been there for me. But the real, the thing that I've learned, and I want to thank all of you, seriously, the thing I want to thank all of you for teaching, not just myself, but I think showing each other, is the power of perseverance. Because there was times when... I didn't have anybody coming on a Saturday night and I needed that kick in the ass and Steve and Matt were killing it and they had tables booked and you know I'm literally feeling like down upon myself and Sabino would pick me up and AJ picked me up and even Matt and Steve would how can we help you and we were literally always working with each other everybody but Phil so it was you know you work in some businesses and people are working against each other inside of the business but we all had our own little thing going on but we were always willing to help each other and I really was able to see like this is a family. This isn't some business where we want to, you know, work against each other. Yo, I got I got a question for for uh, Maddie One B. Uh, <laughs> 
So that's the drop. I, I could I could talk forever and ever about the fucking events and all this shit, but I want to hear about my two favorite places of all time, which would be Imperial and Stereo. I want to hear about that's it. That's where uh, you got you got your wife, though, right? Don't pass me the wine. I I that's where I got my wife. That is where yeah. you got your wife. Yeah. I want I want to hear about these things from you guys. I don't I don't I mean I don't even want to hear me and Philly talk about these places. Yeah, no, no. I want to hear about it straight from you guys. Let's go into how we even I mean how, how we met them, how they got into. That's important. I want to kick that off. So yeah, you first of all you need to still tell us why you got into nightlife because you yes. didn't even get there. Yes, I, I got into nightlife because I just felt like I had so many connections and where I'm a high school athlete and a lot of my time was dedicated to playing football and basketball that this was something easy where not only can I go out and party for free but I could also go out and make money I can meet people I can make friends I can meet girls and that's that's what it was to me so I had started out in a, a club in Long Island called Dublin's which isn't there anymore I believe the building is actually totally knocked down oh, at it? this point yeah did they name it at all I'm not sure but uh, oh, I think they sell like plants now. <laughs> it, it might be like a garden might, world. Yeah, or there's no, like there's no nightclubs now in in New York like that. So like it's different. A lot of people that are listening to this probably don't understand like what the hell we're even talking about. But like there was clubs everywhere in New York at this time. You know. But go ahead. So so this one was on Jericho Turnpike, and uh, I would just tell everybody I know like, hey, if you want to come out, there's a 18 and over party. And we, we have good DJs. You can meet cute girls or for, for girls, there's cute guys, whatever. You know, you got there. The line was always wrapped around and, and people came out and they had a good time. So I'll never live it down. But Stevie Pell's at the door. That was the guest list name. So if you wanted um, to pay double, that's what you said. <laughs> so so started, started to gain traction and I was doing well there. And then I was uh, approached... I, I guess because of my connection with Sabino through college that after we did a couple parties that both Phil and AJ had said, you know, like we want to talk to you and Matt because at this point I, I said the, the connection between me and Matt is is tremendous. The amount of people that are, are between both of our networks we we would kill you had, you had a lot of like the thing about promoting back in the day too was like it's all about reinforcing so like the same person getting hit with the invitation three times yeah so they're like you know we're going so we you know? we both went to different high schools i'm a year older so we we had many people in common but there were we were also you know plenty different people like a venn diagram we got the people in the middle that we <laughs> both know and then, wow. and, then, and then you got the people on the other sides where only matt knew only i knew and and together we own that entirely because even though it was my name at the door matt was saying you know you know use this guest list this is my boy steve and and we're cutting that right down See, the middle that was smart he had somebody to blame it on if shit went wrong it, it was leverage, it was 50 50 never I had a problem with that steve. <laughs> and no, no, but but even look at it both ways. I could take the blame, but then also Matt Matt's not getting the clout. It's not his name. No one looked at it as either or is a bad thing. Yep. And and that's why we were like literally great. And and to sh to share a guest list, 
you know, a lot could probably go south, but we've never hit a bump, a hiccup, anything. We remember driving around, and at that point when we had a lot of Long Island people in our clientele, we, we were driving to Long Island multiple times a week to, to sell tickets to the big events, the Halloween events, one-off events, the regular Saturday, and we're bumping Little Wayne, no ceilings, mixtape, feeling like <laughs> feeling like we're a boss with a couple grand really in our pocket. We had a Manila envelope, and we're and we're sitting there. We got tickets, we got cash, like like it was great. But to get back into how we became a family with all of you guys was uh, apparently Phil and AJ saw you know kids from their neighborhood. They're from Glendale. I'm from Middle Village. Matt's from Maspeth. You know. They saw the value in us to to be partners within this company that they were running. They wanted us on their team. So I remember specifically them saying, we want to, you know, meet you guys, talk about what we can do. We know that you're with other people already doing this, but we have a great opportunity for you guys. So we met at a, a local Dunkin' Donuts by our house and... You know? Right down Woodhaven. Wow, they spent the a lot of That's money it. prospecting you guys, huh? <laughs> Yo, they, they got I got a water bottle for free. Sabino paid for the water bottle. They'll never go. forget it. They got me Phil nice didn't coffee. want to reach in his pocket, but Sabino did. reached in his pocket another way with the paycheck. So. <laughs> He did, he did. Like I said earlier, there were times where Sabino really carried this thing. And that's how we we started with them. Sabino was the initial contact with myself through college. And then I I did F1 with you guys. And the the main thing was Imperial. That was our our Brooklyn party. That's what I would say really, really took off. And... Yeah, at this point, Sabino, his family, Nick, his family, and you guys made a name for yourselves. We knew that it would be a win-win, you know, by having you with us, and we wanted to bring you guys in on an upper level with us, so this way it would be one bigger family. So, like, we could even talk about that night, like, when we met. So, Sabino was pretty much like a scout. We had heard of you, and we, we knew that we could make Imperial and our other events, you know, even bigger by having you guys with us. And also, we're all about longevity. We didn't talk about that too much, but, like, most promoters have a three-month run, six-month run. We had runs that went three, four years. So we sacrificed a lot for that, too. Literally. Yeah. I mean, I, a lot of sacrifice, I think, a lot I think of it's time to take a little segue into, like, what we got out of all this and, like, our lives today. And, well, like, even, Matt, for you to... You know, you just share your experience with it. Oh yeah, did you? You didn't really talk. No, about I, did, I did. I did. You share your experience about getting into the business, but in terms of AJ wanted to hear their perspective on Imperial and just you know the clubs in general. I mean, Imperial to to start. Personally, I was still very young at that point. Nick, obviously, we're the same age, but like for me, that was just like still very wild mode. You know, like that was me, freshman in college, not even a sophomore in college yet. So when you're in that stage of your life, it's it's like, hey, let's stand on top of the bar and spray champagne. Imperial was for you what DNA was for us. Right. That's right. That's what we yeah. wanted. You know? Also, too, I think I think a very valid point for, for all of us at this table was none of us went away to college. We were all homegrown kids. Right. Good and, point. And, and this club life was our college life yeah, for, for the most part where That's a great point. You're, you're saying you were going to, you know, 
college bars Frat and college. Parties. Exactly. This was our fraternity. Th- like this, we created our own that's fraternity. Really this is what it was. a fucking fraternity. Yeah, yeah, we were. Which for the first we time is what we're understanding this as. the brotherhood out of it. It yeah. literally Man. is a fraternity when you think about and it. And we fucking hazed each other. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. fucking hazed each other. <laughs> I never hazed anyone. We used to put bangs yeah. on Matt's yeah, head. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, going back to Matt's wild days. Back then, if you saw a picture on Facebook and Matt didn't at least have two bottles of Grey Goose in his hand, then you know it wasn't really a Matt's fault. I think no, it's it's a really it was a movie. movie. Yeah, it was a movie. Maddie that was movie. stereo, though. That was stereo. Any no? movie. I think yeah. that was stereo. Who the fuck? Stereo was movie, but Imperial, you always had Yeah, so I, I'll never forget, though. There's like one picture out there of Steve and Matt, like, posing a 200 milliliter bottle of Georgie and, like, No, no, no. That was never me. That was Zambuca that we fucking had. No, but there's a picture out there of you guys like holding a Georgie. I never drank Georgie in my life, bro. I'm tired. No, that, that would that be was a, Steve. That would be a, that would Matt, be a pre. You never drank Georgie that yeah, you yeah, know of. It? There's been plenty of times I gave you Gregor's and it was really Georgie. I remember. Oh, I, so remember I remember getting the five dollar fifth, not fifth, the uh, three seven five. Yeah. Well, that's a pint. A pint. A, a, a pint of Georgie and the three or four dollar. Red Bull, and that was my pregame. Like you, I wouldn't even mix it. I would just take a swig of one, swig of other. <laughs> and and oh, terrible, yeah. terrible decision. I got, I got to the club, and I was good. I probably bought a couple drinks, but I probably didn't need those cups. So <laughs> if you're looking to make money as a nightclub bar, Stevie is not the kind of client. He's not the person yeah. to bring about. Uh, another gem that you're hearing throughout this is that, just like in life, if you really want to go the distance in what you're doing and be really successful, you have to love what you do. And all six of us loved what we did. Like, it wasn't work for me on Saturday. My friends all had girlfriends. Who's going to this event? Who's going here? Oh, Phil, it must really stink that you can't make it. Actually, it didn't. I loved it. I loved right. being with you guys. Like, what? what's better than my f- being with you guys, making money, and making experiences? You just hit on what my favorite part of the whole thing was, the whole run. Is as I got older and I developed more friends that came from uh, better backgrounds or had more money or whatever it was, they always looked at, from the outside at what I did and they saw it as, you know, what, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Get a job. I, I love that one. To get a job. Absolutely. One. Not only was this a job. You this know, was I'll a, never this forget. Like you know, I come from a family and my dad owns a business and. Like, when I was doing this, I was like, why you do this stupid shit? <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what, the, what the fuck are you doing? You know, and I, I'll never forget, like... You know, he understood. Once he saw, like, I think one day he came in my room and I had my ex-girlfriend sleeping over after a party and I just had, like, fucking four bands... Like on my uh, on so my uh, nightstand. I know that night you had bands on your nightstand. You had buckets next to the bed. Yeah. <laughs> so let's like, not forget this was also the same father that realized once it was that you've had your your I would say your mother and your father both at different times yeah, at the parties that we were running. That, that's what I was. And they say. had a great time. Those, those and, people. And I, I know us specifically in this group right here. Were like leaps and bounds excited to even see your parents yeah. there because they got to experience or, what we what we got to and we right, know how right. much time my dad bought the burners at a club to save to pick us. us up. Yep. Uh, <laughs> or that, every time he opened the panini shop after one of our parties to fucking feed us. That yeah, was, yeah, that was yeah, a couple yeah, of times. Not, not many times. Dad, I mean, not many times. Not many times. What a guy. There was some bro. There was a many times. No, not many times. When Sabino, when Sabino went to sleep, then me. Yeah, Sabino went to sleep often. After that. I don't know why, but 
we were just chilling. <laughs> I just wanted box. to go home and count my money. I was like, leave me alone. Now, but those same people that were cheap. that were the whole get a job type and do. I told them just come once, come see what I do but one look, time. Look, like, and I they just did, wanna, and they got it. That really helped me though, like running my business nowadays. Even with growing up Italian, like you know, there's a lot of digital marketing stuff that we were doing before Way ahead everybody else was doing. Way you know, ahead. so like. I kind of turned that into my business. Like after that, I was like, the same way I could get people to go to a club is the same way I could get people to come eat a sandwich. You know, Sabino so. realized that there's two P's that are going to get a lot of uh, attention on social media. One is pussy. One is panini. <laughs> <laughs> and I love eating both. Of them. And he loves them both. Hey. <laughs> so let's talk about this. What AJ brought up, and this is one thing that I mentioned before the show is like, we all embodied a sense of not giving a fuckness when it came down to what people were saying about us, right? So for anyone that's tuned into this right now in regards to whatever it is they're dealing with in life, what do you feel like takes place or has to happen for them to embody what we did? Because not for nothing, when you're in a closed environment, when you're in the barbershop and people are like, yo, why the fuck are you doing this? Or, um, you know, when you're in high school still or in college and they're fucking ragging on you for what you're doing, you're in the gym and they're ragging on you. What do you guys feel like goes into that? So I'd like to kick it off. Basically, one thing that I learned from this experience, just being with you guys, working with people, and it's a blessing to be able to make money with your friends, but to have a great relationship with your business partners and your friends is even better. And I think one thing we were all really good at was seeing the end goal. Because, you know, somebody make fun of us all the time. Why do you guys promote? What do you do this for? You annoy people with Facebook messages. You annoy people with event invites. Stop sending me group. (laughs) We've heard it all. Between the six of us here, we've heard everything under the sun. But, you know, somebody says something to you and you could let it bother you or you could not. And I really think what pushed us and what pushed me definitely was seeing that end goal. Like AJ was saying before, like Phil and like so many of us here, seeing that nightclub packed, seeing people who literally got together as two single people and now they're able to become a married family and they're able to you know have kids. And just seeing that end goal of basically the nightclub being packed and everybody having a great time, it didn't matter what people said. If somebody turned around and they were able to say, why are you promoting? Why are you guys doing this? We knew what it was about. It wasn't about making money. It was about having fun, having a good time. So whatever industry you're in, whatever business you're in, if you apply that same mentality of just seeing the end goal, you know, you want to do something and you see the end goal and you see what makes you happy, what does it matter what people say along the way? You just use that as your motivation, your inspiration, and keep pushing and striving for success. Right. That's huge. A couple things. How someone views you from the external is a lot different than how you view it. If that's what lights you up, like clubs, like, it lit me up, man. Like, if I, if there's many nights, let's just put this out there on the record. There's no set salaries. There's no, I'm going to go to work tonight and get paid. There's some nights we took it on the chin. There's some nights we didn't make money. Sure, there's some nights we did very well. But if I p- kept paying attention to everyone on the external, and a lot of my friends, you know, pushed me down about it. Why are you doing this? Uh, you know, now I'm 25. I'm still doing it. Like, oh, aren't you getting a little old for this? They don't see what you see, and with your business or your idea, they may not see what you see. It doesn't mean that it's not gonna be tremendous or it doesn't light you up. Because if you just stick to what everybody else likes, you really won't go far at all. You're gonna you're gonna stay right in the same tracks, like you know, all the time. Mm -hmm. So for me, it lit me up to the point where even when I had that chatter, it didn't matter. Like I was doing something that I loved. 
Yeah, that was a big thing for me. No, I respect that. I, I had a good time when we were doing Imperial slash Stereo. Um, I, I was in college. I was managing a liquor store. I was a full-time student taking 18 to, you know, 20 credits a semester. And, and I made my schedule where, you know, I worked Friday and Saturday from open till closed because I wanted to be able to go to school during the week without having a, to work about certain things or because your boss would beat you up (laughs) (laughs) that could but but because i i had i had a a strict boss and and he was a powerful guy and um i worked i worked i worked 10 or 11 hours on on saturday but there was never an issue of me being unmotivated after working that Shift to go out to our party. You looked forward to it. I I was, yeah. you know, waking up at, 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 at ten, getting there, getting to my job by eleven, working the whole day, and then getting out at ten, and then you know our our party was was about to kick off. Then I would run home. I would shower. I would put on a little cologne. I would hit up Matt. You know, what's the moves? How are we getting there? Are we pre gaming this that? And, and the next thing you know, we were there, and then I was out till, you know, maybe three, four. If we went to the diner, five, five six, 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 seven, maybe seven. Sun prosciutto, eight. Yeah, plenty of time. Sun, sun was rising. That's I was going to bed, but you know, there was Best there, life, there was there was never a time where I ever questioned. You know, this is crazy. You know, because you only think something's crazy. If you want to, if, if crazy is normal to you, it's normal. So to me, maybe someone looked at that externally, like we mentioned, and, yep. and said, you know, this kid's doing something that's, you know, not the norm. But for, for me and our little family here, that was normal. So that's the word right there. That, that was, you know, you got you know, a sense you know of satisfaction what? that nobody else can understand. I'll tell you exactly. what, I, I, there could be a hundred people standing outside my door saying nothing. Or saying anything they wanted, but it didn't matter because to me, the only people whose opinions really counted were the five other guys sitting at this table and this one really hot bartender that I ended up marrying. <laughs> uh, and had two kids with. And I had two kids with, yeah. Talk and about the Ferrari later. <laughs> but those were the only those were the only opinions that mattered. Anybody else could say whatever the fuck they wanted because what Philly said was 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 hundred percent true. Like seeing the the long term of it, for me it was. Always about getting the most juice out of the squeeze. This is not like the the nightclub part of it was just one small chapter. That was just like you know the first few pages of the book. I'm looking at it like, what are we going to be doing? You know, 30 years from now, we're all wrinkly and shit. Uh, you know, playing golf on an island somewhere on a, on a guy's vacation. For me, <laughs> for me, that's what the end game was. It was never money. It was never. It was never any. It was never notoriety or fame or anything like that. I couldn't give a fuck about any of that. I care about my boys, my who are my family. You know, like I said, my wife, and now my kids and providing for them. That's the only thing I give a fuck about. Anybody else can say whatever the fuck they want. I gotta provide. I'm gonna do what I gotta do. I'm gonna have a little bit of fun while I do it. So what do you, what do you guys feel like is the the main thing you've taken away from all of this that you're still applying to your life today? Like obviously we've we've done a lot of shit, right? We've done a, a shit ton of events and things of that nature. So what do you guys feel like is something that's still popping up in your life today that's applicable from what you learned back then? So I have two things. Uh, one. 
I actually got into digital marketing because of promoting. Um, when we were doing promoting back in the day and I was working for them doing the register, they had asked me to take care of the marketing aspect. So that was the Facebook events and the groups and pretty much everything. And, and we had a team of literally 50 to 100 people that I was controlling their social profiles at one time. It's so funny to see how something back then that I just kind of was thrown into the fire, thrown into the mix, I decided to make a full-time career out of yeah, it right. as an entrepreneur. And really that showed me that you can do whatever you want, but don't always be set on where you expect to go in life. Just kind of let life take you where you need to be sometimes. The greatest opportunities come when you least expect it. Mm -hmm. And the second thing was, I think to show everybody here that we didn't really know what we were capable of before we set out to it. You guys didn't know if you were gonna be successful with that party in Brooklyn. You had 1,400 people. So if you look at this story as, what would happen if six guys got together, promoted their asses off, and gave everybody the most memorable experience possible, we did, and look what happened because of it. So it's really just showing you don't always be set up to, to go forward in life with a set plan. Have a little you know opportunity open because you never know what's gonna come your way. And I think that methodology behind all of it kind of showed us this is where we all needed to be because I believe this exact spot is where we were all meant to be. We just didn't know it back then. We had no idea. Bye. So let's go this way. So Phil, go next. Yeah. Um, I mean, to say one thing is tough. That the biggest thing to me is resiliency. Just always, Big word always, right there. always. Like we were always down if we were down, but never out. I mean, like so many countless stories of us just making the work. That Noah story. I put my whole entire life savings on the line for that party. Didn't even think for a second I could lose it all. It didn't matter. This is what Phil built, his, his team built. This is, you have to make this work, resiliency. Other thing is like, I mean, so many things like, we are all running businesses or high, uh, high up in, in uh, positions in corporate life because of what we learned from this. I learned sales, I learned persuasion, I learned marketing, advertising, I learned psychology of human beings. Guess what? A kid gets a bottle and he's not happy, gets to a fight. Mm -hmm. Okay, how do you deal with that? You're just gonna you're just gonna crack him or yell at him, or you're gonna deal with it like a human being. Someone didn't make the guest list in time, so you have to pay five dollars more. Okay, are you gonna yell at the girl and you know say something stupid, or are you gonna deal with it like a gentleman? Um, how to talk to somebody who's older than you and have them respect you. I had owners that were 60 years old looking at me, I'm 17, like who the F is this guy? And having to speak to him in a way where he earns respect from you. Uh, the biggest thing is how to deal with team members, how to make everybody motivated. Yeah, and everyone aligned. Like I said this once, I think on a previous podcast, like uh, your dream when you're building a business has to be so big that the people that you put inside of it, their dreams fit inside of it and still have so much room to grow. Like promoting reason why we all liked it too, like we were never on a chokehold. It was, you can make as much as you want, as much as we grow and as much as you're willing to work. So it taught me, it taught me so much, but if I had to do one thing, uh, and I know I just tapped the table again, but uh, resiliency, resiliency. I, I would go with network. Yeah. That was my. That was gonna be my answer. I mean, we could definitely have different spins, but f for me, it was, you know, being able to reach out to people that were close to you, people that weren't close, strangers hitting you up and making that connection. So for me, I take that as, um, you know, once I graduated college, I, I took my first job and I absolutely hated it. But before I took that, I interviewed at multiple places. Um, 
NBC being the place that just didn't have an opening, but I had a great interview. The you know director told me you know stay in, stay in touch and, and we'll see you know if something opens up. So so me building off the the club industry, you know it, it stayed in my mind like you know I should really just you know hit this guy up and see if there's anything going on. So I was only at my first job for six months before I had reached out and found out that there was an opening and because everything went great I actually wound up getting a job at NBC which at, at the time was you know my dream job and from there that blossomed my career and now I'm at a you know a new company in a new position and and I and I couldn't be happier but I think it's based off of what I've been doing from 21 to 24 at the time of my my club career of just being able to be a, a, a personable guy and, and not afraid to talk to people. I know within those jobs in corporate that I was the one that was walking around and saying hi to people on a daily basis and introducing myself to people that were that were higher up. And, and you just don't know how far that will take you by just saying a simple hello or sparking up a conversation with somebody that is you know, a VP or an SVP and stuff like that. And, and I had good relationships with those guys. And still, I feel like my, my tenure in my industry in, in media, you know, still knowing those people and staying active with, you know, talking with them could eventually, you know, still get me into a better place than I am now moving forward. That's huge. And your reference came with, to get into NBC, your reference, I got called at 5 a.m., and the NBC guy filled me up. Phil was my reference. I was in he California. He was in California. So, so it was 8 a.m. here? 8 a.m. here. And the call, and it was the promotional experience. Cool. It worked. Boom. Like, it, it's all, it's all, you know, synchronicity. That's correct. Phil, Phil was one of my references when I was leaving my first job to go to NBC. And uh, people from HR, they had called Phil at 5 a.m. because he bro, was in California. Send the invoice, bro, if you have I mean, he, yeah, he, a nice bottle of wine. Well, he, no, you he, bump it up to a 15-minute little, uh, he deserved, <laughs> a 15-minute charge, you know? He deserved it, man. Like, that's they called me. I said, fuck that. Your, your dad actually drank that bottle of wine. He right? did. He it's did. all right. We drank enough this bottle. <laughs> so, B, what would you say was the, uh, the most unfortunate For me, thing the it's the same answer network, but I think in a different way because, like, working in the clubs kind of put my business on the map. Cause like everybody I'm meeting, I'm like, yeah, I want a sandwich shop right over here. And then, you know, yeah, from yeah. opening one to Maspit where you guys are from, like it just kind of like gave me a network of people that were spending money then are still spending money with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, And not for nothing, three people here at this table have a sandwich at your shop. I have a Masher Brothers sandwich, but just never made it because... It's not it, because you got seven, right. it's We're waiting. We're, it, waiting. We're Phil, waiting. Phil's sandwich never made it to you know shop because Phil's is like some healthy shit. He probably wants like uh, hummus and dirt on like a fucking holy pita. <laughs> With honey mustard. With honey mustard. <laughs> it's not yeah. healthy. No, honestly, it's it's a seven grain panini with grilled chicken, pesto, prosciutto, mozzarella. Ooh, I have it. It's oh my good. god! I have it. 
Why does Why does a Masher Brothers have to be a healthy sandwich? I'm not because Phil used to always get same. Mingy, you're not healthy. We got three pies of pizza. You come with a salad. Well, that's because I'm like 900 pounds now. It's a different story. Nah, nah, keto. So basically, you're saying that it showed you to to take you know different experiences and you can utilize them just to show not just to show people who you are. Like it just made me like meet so many people and like. I think Phil told me this once. I'm, I'm pretty sure you did, but like the strongest tool you have is your phone. So like just being in contact with people, like saying what's up, like you know, I haven't seen you in a while, you know, like come get a sandwich, you know, like goes a long you know, way. Like you you know that somebody's always bought uh, three foot heroes of you off the Super Bowl, be like, yo, you still ordering for me this year? You know, like right. giving that customer confidence, like. People feel more comfortable spending money with you when they know you, you know? Like, mm. so I gained so many, like, friends from doing this club stuff and just everybody knowing who I am. So it shaped me to be the person I am today. And, and then us even being a family to, to go with you having your shop, like like you said, there, there's people at this table that have a sandwich and whenever, you know, you, you guys post and it's like, hey, the Matt and Steve, you know, like. Which you post more than any other sandwich, by the way. Because it's the like number one fucking bestseller, bro. Ooh, Not yeah. number one, by the way, it's top five. By the way, the FDNY, the fire department in New York called, they're pissed because they used to be number one sandwich. <laughs> well, and now Matt and Steve is the number one sandwich. Yo. Wow. But, but what I want to get to is that, like, us being a family, we're always reposting, sharing. Hey, Hell yeah. you, you know, I'm not reposting shit unless when, I post the agent. When I'm working and I tell people. <laughs> I haven't seen that posted once. Yeah, you fucking forgot about that sandwich. Ain't that American cheese? That's why. That's I, awesome. I, I have ordered yours. A yeah, few I times. love it. Fucking chicken cullet. as a child. Onion, onion rings ring. and gravy. Yeah. Onion rings on sandwich. It's not innovation right there. For me, the biggest uh, the biggest thing that I took away from this whole thing that I still use today is the I wife. learned. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, the <driver. laughs> damn, bro, you called a bitch. She's gonna fuck you up. She's gonna beat you up. And Yo, bro, that was Steve Pellegrino, by the way. Just it's throw that out there. No, Steve I, Pellegrino exits the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I learned how to read people. I didn't know I was going to learn how to do that, but I did learn how to do that. And, uh, you know, you learned real quick what girl was coming to the club because it was whole life that weekend. She was mad at her boyfriend. She was mad at her dad. Either one. They were both good. Uh, you learned what guy was coming there because he wanted to get over his girlfriend. You knew what to do. With, you knew exactly what to do with nice. those guys. You knew who to hire. You knew what kid was going to be a great promoter. You knew what girl was going to be a great bottle waitress. You knew what person was going to make a problem in that club, and you better keep them away from somebody else that's going to make a problem in that you club. You knew who to sell bottles to. You knew, yep. You knew who to upsell to. You knew who was a drunk spender. You learned real quick, if you just had a little bit of observation, who was what. And here I am, however many years later, and I still use that every single day. My goal... And I think I got up and said this at, at, at one of my meetings was uh, my goal for this party is for guys and girls that come here not knowing each other to go home and fuck. 
<laughs> he did say that. I did, he say, did that. say that. It happened a lot. In front of and a I, room and of like dude, there's a lot of like, there's right, a lot of before, babies Before we party. get into the people who've married because of our parties, people who have had kids for our parties. There's a lot of them. There's a lot. Lastly, we need to hear uh, what's the biggest thing that Matt took from, from the promoting aspect into his real life. I honestly think it's a little bit of intertwined between what everyone said. And I'm, you know, just to take a little bit deeper, I think it comes down to relationships. And um, first and foremost, everyone at this table... I give so much credit to for dealing with 18, 19, 20 year old Matt LeBray. Uh, <laughs> All right, call himself yeah, out. Let's, no, hear let's hear it. No, I respect it. It was an easy one. <laughs> no, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I, I literally replay instances in my head and I'm like, holy shit, did I say that? Holy shit, did I do that? You did. I did. I know I did. You kept us on our toes, man. I, I'm not mad at myself for doing it. I just I just question it because now I look back and I'm like, yo, you fucking changed a whole lot. And I literally remember multiple times, for instance, Nicole, when we first started stereo after Imperial, she's like, yo, you're different. Like, yeah, I mean, I hope I'm fucking different. I was fucking wild. I was crazy. I said stupid shit. I was just blunt. I was out there. No, things have changed, but ultimately it comes down to relationships to the point. And, you know, obviously we were saying networking. We were saying how that helps the business, following up with people, building friendships and things of that nature. But, um, you know, from a very deep level, it's like... At the end of the day, just being able to be there for someone, being able to provide them with something that they need um, in, in that sense that we were just alluding to on multiple different facets here. I, I love that. And that right there has yielded me opportunities to, for instance, work with Damon, do do a whole bunch of other things. I wouldn't be able to work with Damon unless Phil introduced me to George or reintroduced me to George and things yeah. of that nature. Right. Like at the end of the day, it was a it was a huge trickle effect, even to this day, you know, being able to get hooked up with someone. One that AJ worked with, who's making me a hat now, the kid Lucas that you worked with for for Blipstar, literally making me a hat that I want now. Like the list goes on of you know the the whole relationship building. So to me, that's the biggest takeaway. And of course, that sounds a little bit basic because of course relationships are huge, but it just goes to show how big they really are when you look full picture as to all the years that we put in and what we did versus now. You know, it's still paying off. You know, paying that's those huge. dividends. Yeah. It comes into that's leverage. Huge. At the end of the day, yeah, yeah. good leverage. And one thing I want to say in regards to, to what you were saying about relationships, people always say this, and you hear this a million times, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And obviously everybody nice. here agrees, but I think there's one part of that that people really don't speak about is, did you go out of your way to make those relationships? Did you network those relationships? It's not what you know, it's who you know, but how did you meet them? How did you find them? How did you get there? How did you get to that spot? Do you keep, do you keep that relationship oiled? That's that's the biggest part. Yeah. You you can know somebody, but just because you know them, are they going to do something for you? Because you needed a favor. Are they look? How many how many times do we look and someone reaches out that we haven't heard from? And, and you're like, wow, like they're reaching out because they need a favor. Yeah, that, I get that a lot. If somebody is consistent with you you would never even question that I don't even question it though because we were doing so many favors back in the club days in regards to this person wants to sit next to the stage they want to meet fucking Fetty Wap they want to do this they want to do that at the end of the day I don't even question it because we had so much power back then that I mean, of course they're going to ask those type of questions, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I personally don't question that. I meant I respect like it now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I honestly respect it because I, if I was on the other end of it, I would probably ask those questions they're, too. They're, their connections then with us, yes, and we would want to do anything because we were the provider. And if we could say, 
hey, Phil, AJ, could you guys move somebody away? We got people, and I know they're going to buy more bottles, and they'd rather sit there. Yeah. They yeah. would do that in a heartbeat because it's customer satisfaction. Right. you got to read the situation. I mean, like, the, the, the long term, if that person didn't hit you up from the, that time that you moved them close to the stage to now, and they're looking for something, you're going to question that. Right. Yeah. So it, I, I'm, I'm telling everyone here and everyone that's listening to this podcast – Keep your relationships oiled because you don't know who's doing what and where. It's always better with lubrication. Yeah. Hey, no, it's very important though. You have to coming from that. the guy with two kids. He knows what he's talking about. Absolutely. Hey. Another thing the clubs taught me. The clubs taught me patience. Getting two to three hundred texts on a Friday or a Saturday. How to deal with them all. Um, Okay, maybe you don't have a thousand person grand opening. Maybe it's only 400. How to not get discouraged so that the next week becomes 500. The next week becomes 600. So you start snowballing it and it gets to a point where it's just repeatable on its own. So patience is huge. The other thing that clubs told me that applies to business is, like Nick said, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But there's even one more step. It's who knows you. So the greatest feeling in the world. I love that. Shout out to Manny One B Branding. <laughs> the greatest feeling in the world is when Phil Massey doesn't have to text his whole phone book to come out. Phil Massey gets his phone book to automatically text him. Right. And then the people who knew, who he knows in his phone book, their one arm reach people text Phil as well. And now it's like instead of me digging for a guest list that night, it's coming to me. And when you have a business and that happens... It just says one thing about you. It means you're really doing your stuff right. It's admirable. And people are remembering you because you do a great job. You make them feel great. Right. That's huge. That that was the best part, the easy stuff where it was like, hey, my birthday's coming up. We want to get, you know, three bottles. We want to do that Ciroc special. And (laughs) do you think you can get us some extra sparklers? (laughs) But let me me ask you a question. Why did they hit you up? Why didn't they hit up somebody else, some other place? Because Because of what you said. They they, they knew it was what I would do for them every week prior to them coming for their birthday weekend. It was me being able to get them a free drink. Trust. Trust. Me, yeah. me being able to get a, so a group of five good-looking girls to the front of the line and not have to wait. It was because of our Ooh, customer that. service and expertise and being able to know how to play your own cards. Yeah. So that the cards played you when the time came for it. Let's end, let's end this on a, a fun note because yeah. we got a little. We definitely serious. have to get a part two on this though. We need a part two. Let's end this on a fucking fun note though. Sure. The what and collectively, I don't want to hear a before story because you guys are old as fuck, Phil and AJ. <laughs> old as fuck. You guys are fucking dinosaurs. That's true. I want to hear collectively your best and or funnest memory between us in the clubs. That's easy. All right, so start. You know it's easy. Go ahead, start. Oh, you're gonna. You know exactly. What I'm gonna... How you <laughs> say Philly goosebumps. Go? Philly goosebumps. <laughs> oh, no. there, there was, uh, there was a birthday in Phil's. That uh, I don't think he was really uh, versed in taking shots. So this was the first time he took more than maybe like three or four shots in a night. <laughs> oh, this was the 19th birthday? Oh, yeah. This is Phil's Ooh. 19th birthday. And, uh, shots of, I, I, shots I said, of apple juice, I said by collectively, way. collectively, us, together. I wasn't oh, there his okay. 19th birthday. I was, tw- I was 10. <laughs> 10? Yeah, all right. Maybe like six. <laughs> I was 10, He was born. Bro. You were 15. Take it easy. <laughs> You're 16, bro. I was 15. Good night. No, no, 19, 19. But anyways, 
Do you want me to continue that one or do you want me to end that one? End that one. Give, me, right. a, give me a good one. It, well, it had nothing to do with us being in a nightclub. It was the barbecues yeah, and Phil's Yard. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. The barbecues and Phil's Yard. That's oh, fine. Yeah. That, that was the relationship yeah, right. that we what, had. What I was just hanging out. out. Memorial Day weekend barbecue, what year? 2012? 11. 11 or 12. 11, 11 or 12. We started Imperial. I, yeah. I would say that one and the one that you guys had at your yeah, apartment. Mike Middle Village, yeah. That was a good one. That was good. I, I don't believe Sabino was there but it was the no, af- was. after party at the pool. Oh, that pool. At, no- at Nicole's at, at pool. Nicole's house. That was a good one. That was a very a- a- good one. A- AJ- AJ's wife, I believe it was just um, girlfriend at the time. You I'm know, not even sure. Not, not nice in-ground pool, and she was the you know the the head bartender at, at our club, and she was like, we should we should go back to to my my house and have a pool party after this. So. What did we all do? It was about three, <laughs> four, four, whatever. It was you know. definitely past four. I'll tell we, you that. We, we, sure. we go five a.m. minimum. Where if if you guys are familiar with the uh, Bayside Whitestone area, uh, Christina's Deli, Cherry Valley, you know that those delis has nothing on Panini Shop. We, we nothing, nothing. A lot of inspiration from them. No shout outs to nothing. Them. But we did. We we had a pool party. You know what you guys didn't sandwiches. have sandwiches. You know what you just didn't have. Bathing suits. Yeah, facts. So, <laughs> it didn't matter. We went in in our boxers and we and we had a great time. And that was probably one of my fondest memories with you guys. And I, I remember I was supposed. To, I, I promised my aunt I would help out on the co-ed softball team that Sunday morning. <laughs> and, and you better believe I did not show up because there was no way I was able to play. Because you got home at the same time the game started. No, I slept there. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I didn't. I was wrecked. <laughs> I'm going to sound corny. I'm going to sound corny. I don't think you are, because I think I have the same one as you. Let's hear it. Yo, I'm going to sound this corny. I loved every night with you guys. That's, that was corny. No, that's, that's great, bro. True, that's great. I, I really, really did. I don't recall any time that I despised going to the club. Despise going to quote unquote work. Yeah. Yeah, right. It quote was, unquote work. It, because we never looked at it as work. It was never looked at as never. It was never, ever, ever looked at. I think that's what people need to take away from this is like they need to find a way to make money. Doing what you love. Doing what you love. I I'm I'm gonna keep it real. What I'm doing right now, I don't love the way that we did clubs. Like I really don't. When I look at it like that, I don't. You'll and never that, love anything like that though. It was wild. It was wild. It was yeah. wild. It was, it was a time really of our life fucking too, dope. You know. It was really fucking dope. But when I look at it, it's just like I'm thinking about. I'm I'm thinking about like the whole process and all these things. It's like I never once felt tired. I remember you multiple times said to me, "Dude, like, are you not tired?" I would work, eleven to ten. Same thing, 11 to 10, go to the club, wake up, 11 to 10, next day, 11 to 10, and I would never sleep, I didn't care. Go to school, Monday, honestly, no care in the world. And I don't ever recall a time where I was like, you know what, I don't wanna go. Of course, things came up where I might've been traveling or something of that nature where I might've missed one week, but ultimately, every single week from Imperial to Stereo to Central to every single, Noah, Rain, all those parties we did, like 
every single time I absolutely loved it from the times in Imperial when we're fucking spraying champagne off the fucking bar like fucking savages throwing to the, napkins in the air throwing that never stopped to stereo in the corner fucking bar you how you a, doing you know I still have a pack of the napkins from Europa that's savage in you my house I have you really want to know what I, I know have. you have the sign oh, I have that motherfucking sign so, let me just, I let me, the beats let me just jump in here for one second on the last night Matt stole a sign that was supposed to be my yeah, I wedding. I saw you present. at the Coliseum that night and stuff. <laughs> that was right. supposed to be my wedding that, present. I still heavy. never got it. I tried heavy. taking the exit sign. The exit sign wasn't coming off. And then I got two fucking guys, Scribbles and Cody, to take off the fucking Europa sign, put it in my trunk. I just got off. That was supposed to be my wedding present. You never gave it to me. It can still come, bro. Fuck it's in God. my garage. They're friends. I had, I That's why you s- give him a godson. <laughs> <laughs> I need It's going to be my wedding you present. Need <laughs> I need that. Well, now, what I was going to say, and I, what I thought you were getting at before as a collector, thing was I think the first thing that we ever did together um, outside of the club business that really was like a life event like I'm not talking about you know going on vacation together or, or going out to eat together we made money together we had a good time together but the first real life event was when AJ and Nicole got engaged when they got married and we were all sitting you know at the engagement party at the wedding and it was just crazy to see how every single person around us there was people from the club business there. There was owners of clubs that we've worked with. There was bouncers. There was literally people from the industry all around us. And that was because of our success. Like you have this podcast to decode success of people out there. And you know, it's, it's something funny because now we're sitting here and I thank you for having this podcast because we're kind of talking about decoding our success. And one thing I was saying to you earlier that really stood out to me when I was thinking about all this stuff was people say if you work a day in your life, uh, if, you, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And we all can agree to that. But the one mix I have on it is if you do what you love and you do it with your friends, you will never work a day in your life and you'll have a great fucking time doing it. Yeah. And that that's huge to me. That's yeah. like, that's the biggest thing. Think maybe we're going to get another engagement party anytime soon, please. I mean, shout out to Stevie Pals, six months. Woo! Good time, brother. We love you. We thank you. We miss you. Nicole misses you because she's gonna beat you up after this. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yeah. We know, well, we know Nicole will be your fans, by the way. Honestly, this is Nicole. No, you know what? This is what I told my Nicole. Don't worry about who's wearing the pants. Our marriage works best when nobody's wearing pants. Hey. <laughs> How's your Ferrari? So, one thing I wanted to uh, I wrote down some things over here. One thing I just wanted to say before before we officially um, tuned off was. Shout out to anybody who has been to any of these parties. Um, if you're listening to this and you've been to one of these events, you know uh, it's extremely memorable. We're also guys, very sorry. No, this is going to be an Instagram clip we post, by the way. Some, if, if I if I miss any, please, guys, let me know. You know, just, just rattle them off. But shout out to anybody who's been to a Remy Teen Night. Shout out to anybody who's been to Metronome in Glendale when we threw that teen party. <laughs> DNA, Club One, Cave. Lemon Tree, F1, Sowell, Status Fridays at Europa, Imperial Saturdays, System. We got Stereo, Spa, Rain. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of one-off parties, obviously. I'm missing you say list. Imperial? We said Imperial. Oh, I missed Area. Area as well. You know, no just if you think about all the events that we've ever done and you think about the total attendance from all of those events, you're literally talking, I would confidently say, Probably close to a million people that have attended events yeah, between absolutely. all the parties that all of us have it's done in the tri-state area. Yeah, a lot of them came multiple times. Over a million people. Now, yes. For, let, let's go, you know, the next episode, we'll get into the other stuff, but people have gotten married from these clubs. People have met each other. People have had kids. We have literally contributed so many different things to people's lives, and it's all because of the six of us sitting at this table. Facts. I want to apologize to anybody that ever left our party on Thanksgiving Eve with a big lump on their head. 
Because there was a few of you. Yeah. You had to sit at Thanksgiving Most dinner with a nice big lump on your head in front of your mom and your grandma. So, yeah. to those people, that was, I apologize. That was so good. I don't even know if I should say the stories. Let, let, let's end it on this note. Gentlemen, Sabi, I appreciate yeah. you, bro. Thank you for, you guys for coming. Steve, Phil. Appreciate you. Nikki, yeah. appreciate you. AJ, my brothers, Yo. I appreciate you. Until next time, everyone. Peace.